you are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson. Because democracy doesn't just happen. This morning with uh, energy experts Des Muller, who has had extensive uh, experience within within the energy field, particularly around uh, the restructuring of of Kuburg, uh, the servicing of Kuburg, and extending the life life thereof. Des has done multiple presentations to notice and has intimate knowledge of the problems facing South Africa's energy future. Good morning, Des. I trust you are well. Good morning, Rob. Uh, yes, I am, and thanks for the invitation onto your discussion this morning. Fantastic to have you on, Des. Now, early on, I was I was chatting about um, the upcoming elections and the uh, coincidence that uh, municipal budgets are now being presented wherein they proposed uh, race and tariffs increases on various service service delivery items, water sanitation, and the most obvious is electricity. Now, they, we're seeing a, a major increase in electricity prices uh, passed on because passed on from ESCOM to municipalities and then, then to consumer. And in some some cases, we're seeing up to 15, 16, 17 percent as proposed in, increases here. Um, this is obviously something the municipalities uh, cannot avoid and consumers cannot avoid, as ESCOM has just pushed their their prices up quite. Quite considerably, due to some in, in-house factors. Um, what what is the the reason behind such increases, and is, is there anything we can do to get around this? Yeah, no, it's always an interesting question. When uh, you know, it's quite common for a utility to increase its prices, but uh, I must agree that the 15% increase is a bit much for not necessarily only the um, domestic or the homeowners, but also for industry users that use um, a lot of electricity. Intensive energy users um, will be certainly challenged by something like this. Um, This is really a consequence out of uh, some of the challenges that we've um, seen in ESCOM at at the moment, you know, with uh, plants uh, failing, um, the cost of keeping old plant running and things like that. Um, ESCOM's operating costs have gone up quite substantially as well. Um, Also, the loss of revenue because of uh, load shedding and things like that also challenges uh, Eskom's balance sheet. And I think we've uh, seen enough media around uh, all these challenges. But something that may not necessarily be visible is the cost of expensive electricity sources, um, which we are seeing or introducing into the grid. Um, We've been introducing renewable energy into the grid. Um, I think we spent about 250 billion rand on renewable energy over the last decade. Um, and uh, that is a quite a big cost, and uh, that's been funded by the uh, renewable energy IPPs, which has um, been a great relief for Essence balance sheet. But the cost of electricity that gets passed on to you from the renewable energy sources are quite high. There's always a lot of media about how cheap the electricity is coming from uh, wind and solar, for example. But there are additional system costs, which really manages the intermittency of renewable energies. And those system costs are quite high. And that's where the renewable energy, according to Eskim's um, financial results, um, is really at double the um, Eskim basic tariff 
that we are looking at at the moment. So these costs are, are, are um, getting passed on to the end user as well. Um, some of the challenges um, that um, people must look at, uh, South Africa is not, um, you know, we're quite familiar with the demand side management and saving electricity. And so and, uh, over the last decade, we've, um, we've been looking at uh, how do we cost um, and, and save our costs in electricity. We've gone over into putting LED lighting into our homes. Um, a lot of people have gone over to gas as an alternative for cooking or water heating. That's always a good way. In certain parts of Johannesburg, and certain parts of the country, there is uh, gas in, in the street, you know, pipe gas, um, which comes out from the from Mozambique through a natural gas pipeline. And that is a very cost-effective way of um, providing cooking and heating solutions um, at a fraction of what it would cost you in comparison to using electricity. So that's still always um, a recommendation for people to look at um, saving on the electricity bill um, for big industry and uh, those that are on a different, like a Megaflex tariff from Eskom, peak tariffs are very expensive and quite often, and we're seeing um, a lot in the developed countries um, where large intensive energy users provide peak shaving methods where they have uh, gas turbines or generators that come on during the peak period. And um, mm. they are able to deliver electricity uh, for themselves cheaper than uh, the peak tariff that um, you would see in Eskom. So there's various ways that one can look at, um, you know, reducing these costs. That's brilliant. That's, that is definitely one way. We've seen a lot of uh, big businesses, and uh, the most noticeable for, for anyone is shopping centers uh, getting getting off the grid, not entirely but supplementing uh, the the energy demand through the solar installations in in car parks and and so on. Then I, I I can no doubt see that many major businesses will will follow suit as as energy costs go go through the roof. And let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, energy costs will inevitably go go through the roof, and if we follow the current trajectory that that we are on, you brought up uh, some rather interesting points there about the hidden costs of, of renewable energy. And it's, it's a rather con- controversial topic there because of there's not much clarity or understanding of how the whole renewable process or renewable energy process works in uh, producing, say, massive wind turbines or uh, all the other uh, solar panels and batteries that are associated to that, as well as um, the maintenance costs of of these uh, uh, renewable sources and and so on. What we what we are presented with as as the public is the end result, the cost per kilowatt or or whatever it might be, which looks incredibly attractive. It's, it's you kind of wonder why we're going for other sources when only that that is presented. But Tell us more about these these hidden costs of of renewables and what the actual cost to the public is and and what is it the, the cheapest form of of energy out there? So on renewable energy, it is an intermittent resource. It is dependent very much on the weather. So if the weather changes, um, you would find a, a change in profile on the generation of wind or solar. 
And um, that is that is what the big driver of the intermittency is. And when that drops off, it does create a disturbance on the grid. And these types of disturbances, if it's quite dramatic, can also black out the grid. And it creates a mm-hmm. tremendous shock on the grid. So what the system operator, which is ESKIM, has got to do is got to manage all these variables that is on the grid itself. You want a grid that it runs at steady state. So coal-fired nuclear plants, hydro plants run at a steady state condition. They don't necessarily vary unless you have a um, an unplanned trip or something like that. But uh, generally, they are quite stable, and that's what the system operator wants. Now, with the introduction of renewable, these are variable energy sources, and you don't necessarily know when they're going to vary. And um, they can fall off a cliff. And that is uh, quite a challenge for the system operator. And to do that, they have to um, start up very expensive diesel generators. Um, These are generators that can come quick to the grid. These are called peaking power plants. And uh, all they need to bring back very quickly the base load capacity or run um, hydro pump storage schemes that um, can immediately um, release water into a turbine and generate electricity to compensate for the loss of power from renewables. Um, When the sun shines and the wind blows, you tend to wind down your coal-fired power stations and run them at half load or in certain instances shut them off. And mm. um, then to basically start them up in the evening when the sun goes down and uh, the wind stops blowing, um, you need to bring these stations back up. And coal-based power stations don't like this on-off running. They like to run at full load most of the time. Mm. And that is coming a, becoming a bit of a challenge to Eskom's maintenance, um, reliability of the plant. When you've got a plant that switches on and off and switches on and off, um, including the uh, grid and the, trans- the transformers and the switchyards, they don't necessarily like all of this up and down. And um, they, they tend to uh, wear and, and the breakages tend to accelerate on, on these plants. So what we, we tend to do is we're seeing a lot of costs coming through ESKIM to manage the intermittency of renewables to balance this power. And that cost eventually gets put onto you as the end mm. user. That makes total sense. I mean, the, the, the proper solution or the, the trick here, is, as you say, is to is to create a balance between all sources of generation. And it's it's pretty clear that too much uh, too much renewables in, in the mix does definitely create an unstable and mostly unpredictable uh, uh, environment because you just don't know which way the weather's going to go and, and so on. So that's, that does place, place a bit of a problem. I know a lot of people, a lot of activists generally talk about 100% renewables and I, I cannot see that as possibly working simply because of the storage of energy um, and the instability that that such a grid might might provide uh, or might present itself. So, but that's just my opinion as as a as a non-expert, just observing mm. from from the outside. <laughs> I can't claim to to push anything anything forward there. You know, another interesting move you you mentioned um, 
LED lighting as to reduce the the demand. ESCOM had a similar uh, project some years ago where they replaced the normal light bulbs or filament type light bulbs with the CFL light bulbs. Now, I've seen legislation in Parliament now getting rid of CFL light bulbs and uh, placing a demand on the consumer to replace that with with LEDs. Good points and bad points there again. I suppose it would be a great move to reduce the demand. But, you know, reducing demand leads to the inevitable death spiral facing all municipalities. As, as they become, as consumers become more efficient, then municipalities see a loss in sales, a loss in revenue, and therefore they have to increase their tariffs or add those ridiculous hidden charges, which, which I mentioned mm. earlier on. Those ridiculous tariffs. Um, the future of, of a, say a big producer like ESCOM is also questionable. Let's put it that way, because they're facing the same problem where uh, revenue decreases due to uh, less demand from the consumer. What is, in your opinion, is the, the future of energy production? Are we going to see smaller, uh, localized power production? feeding into the a bit better grid, or will the focus in South Africa be on revitalizing ESCOM as, as the main generator and purchaser? Really on, on the future of uh, large utilities, you know, and um, mm. where, they, where they play and, um, you know, what's happening around the world. Um, we are seeing all kinds of uh, technologies. There's a lot of smart technologies that's coming out, and um, it does help change the way we um, generate and manage electricity. And uh, in certain instances, um, you can see in, in you know, very specific uh, circumstances, you can have a very smart distributed grid to provide power to a localized area. But when one is looking at an industrialized nation like South Africa, um, with a tremendous amount of... Um, of capacity and um, demand requirements and uh, variable demand requirements, as we spoke earlier, um, it requires a central control system. And um, so now I'm very much in favor of um, the restructuring that has been going on around um, restructuring ESKIM. And uh, that will certainly um, make ESKIM a hell of a lot more efficient, um, more agile in the way it manages itself. We have three major d- divisions in ESCOM managed under a single board, under a single management structure. is very, very cumbersome. And um, it's, uh, it's certainly a, a plan that has been um, developed all over the world. The likes of France uh, went this way. It's not necessarily a quick process, um, and um, it could be quite a challenge um, to unbundle ESCOM and restructure it. So by no means is it an overnight solution. Um, but, you know, big utilities like ESCOM can be fixed and corrected. ESCOM in 2005, 2006, was rated as the best utility in the world. Wow. So that is a fantastic status. She has, and uh, today we probably one of the worst, you know. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, the 
And Eskom can, you know, get itself um, back on the feet. And uh, I'm very confident in Mr. Director's efforts to rectify all the wrongs um, and all the challenges that Eskom is going through. Um, and it, it certainly can um, be brought back onto its feet and uh, become a preeminent uh, provider of power in South Africa. And um, But it doesn't really take away the opportunity for smaller generators. We've seen the IPPs come into the market, independent power producers. They um, sell directly to Eskom. We are seeing um, the likes of um, NERSA, uh, the new regulator is already now looking at approving uh, 10 megawatt installations where um, mm. companies can generate their own power or buy 10 megawatts of power from an IPP. And um, that is starting to uh, deregulate the industry uh, to a degree where you can see the introduction of um, smaller um, distributed con- uh, power systems and um and, and that, that is uh, in, it, it's at a safe scale to come in with something like that. To say, well, okay, fine, you're going to do um, a third of the, of the power's uh, capacity um, in private hands and things like that um, could be a challenge, as we're seeing around the world. You know, the, if a utility can't um, manage um, a power system, then um, how does a private sector guy um, do it? You know, they've got similar challenges. And um, they, they, and just also getting revenue um, and getting people to pay. Um, I can't see an IPP doing a better job than Eskom <laughs> with some no, of the really. shortfall that it's having on um, on its uh, debt. You know. Well, that'll be an interesting, interesting notion to see. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson, because democracy doesn't just happen. Where does ESCOM fit into that? I mean, what is the difference between generation transmission and distribution? All right. Um, look, ESCOM, as we know, um, holds the monopoly of um, power generation in South Africa. Um, the introduction of IPPs basically sell power directly to ESCOM. And as we said earlier, that is um, deregulating as well, where IPPs can sell um, power eventually to um, end users in that uh, 10 megawatt capacity function. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the restructuring of ESCOM uh, into those different structures, generation, transmission, and distribution, does open up a lot of opportunities um, for private sector involvement and so forth, as well as putting fair competition into the market. Because if um, the central system operator which is going to be the transmission, the transmission um, operator that uh, allows and connects generators from Eskom or the private sector onto the grid, distributing it throughout the country to the end users. Um, they will have a challenge to say, well, what I need to do is provide the cheapest and most reliable and cleanest electricity to my end users. That's their responsibility. And uh, honestly, if um, one's not available, you lose out. If one is available and you're able to provide um, good price um, electricity, your forecasts are very good, your reliability is there, um, and you've got a clean energy solution, you should be on on the uh, system operator's priority. 
and that's why the end user can definitely have benefits. Um, you would see an increase in performance in ESCOM generation, an increase in performance in um, ESCOM as the system operator, um, and certainly on the distribution side, because a lot of focus is going to be on you. The accountability is going to be on these divisions rather than just the whole company as a whole. And um, I would see definitely improved performance and a possible reduction in cost in electricity um, due to this improved performance, which we spoke about earlier. That'll be a fantastic thing for 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 the consumer. So it definitely appears that there might just be some hope for for ESCOM and the so and the turnaround uh, strategy that they they have employed. We can we can only stand stand and, and hold thumbs here with, without yeah. a doubt. So that's that's good news for yeah, for, for the it, consumer. We've seen it in work very well in uh, international countries like France, who went over to this um, a, a while ago, and it does definitely improve the performance of these big cumbersome utilities. It definitely does. Uh, interesting, as you mentioned, France, which has a uh, mostly nuclear fleet, uh, which, uh, which with the recent problems in in Europe there on on energy scaling, France was only the one the one country which remained. On, on grid and, and able to survive and get through all of this. But, yeah, that's, that also brings uh, the necessity, in, in my opinion, and I'm sure you share the same thing, for a for nuclear in the mix to, to create that stability. Yeah, look, um, France is a good case in point um, for us to look at. And uh, France right now enjoys the most reliable, the cheapest and the cleanest electricity in Europe, um, because it's mm. been smart mostly on on um, nuclear energy. Germany next door, which shut down its nuclear plant, ranks probably the most expensive. They're not necessarily the cleanest. Funny enough, the big investment into renewables um, has mm. increased. They've seen the increase in their emissions. Um, if anything, has been flat, and. Um, you know, we haven't seen the, um, the improvement in, in Germany's emissions since they shut down the nuclear power mm-hmm. plants and then tried to replace them with renewables. Um, there's certainly a huge dependency on fossil fuels um, in Germany as well. Um, the standard is yeah. really going for California that's uh, gone over to renewables in a large way. And uh, you're seeing the cost of the electricity is seven times um, has, has improved seven times higher than the rest of uh, the USA um, because of this. And um, you also got the challenges of uh, load shedding and um, things like that that we're experiencing here mm-hmm. in South Africa. Germany and uh, the California have similar situations. So um, okay. those are things that one needs to look at. And, um, you know, if one looks at what makes electricity valuable, It's really the reliability, which basically talks to energy security, affordability, and environmental sustainability. That's what the public concern is concerned about. And that's what all concerns the public is how reliable is it, how affordable is it, and does it really look after and take care of the environment? You know, those are the three um, Mm -hmm. key points. Nuclear energy ticks off all the boxes. Um, in, 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 in those categories. And, um, that's, 
those yes. are things that, that we should be looking at as, as important features. Um, and certain technologies like renewables is, is clean. It's very much environmentally friendly. People have fallen in love with it. But it unfortunately mm-hmm. comes, you know, with a challenge on the reliability issue because of the intermittency. And then affordability becomes a challenge, especially when they're trying to fix up the intermittency with batteries and gas and all kinds of other issues as well. So there's no real simple silver bullet. Um, one needs to develop a energy management system or an energy system in the country that yeah. basically uses the strengths of all the technologies. And unfortunately, if coal has a valuable contribution, you're going to have to use coal. Try and clean it up as Definitely. best you can. But um, we can't be stupid and cut our own throat by switching off coal like we saw um, happening in some of these first world countries. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much, Des. We've unfortunately just run out of time. But what a fascinating, fascinating discussion. And what I'm taking away from it is that there's a definite need to include all uh, generation sources in, in the mix and Absolutely. not discount the, the value of, of the others and overvalue of some, some of the others. Uh, Thank you so much, Des. We're going to take a short break, and thank you for being on the show. I hope to have you on soon again. You're welcome. Thank you very much.